was a really good way to kind of like get an audience like quite organically that just loved following my work and then eventually I opened my books then. Welcome to Brave Bob Brilliant. I'm here today with Alicia Haraya of Amaya Couture. So we are going to be talking all about wonderful clothes and design and business. Welcome, Alicia. Thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Now, and we're here in the Prince's Trust office um, in Cardiff, mm -hmm. which is actually, you live in Cardiff, don't you, yes. Alicia? Yeah, yeah, so not too far for you then. No, no, yeah, and I've been here a few times now. <laughs> I bet you have, yeah, exactly. You know your way around the, around the building far exactly. better than me. Um, so, Alicia, you've got an amazing business. I was looking at the website and I was Thank like, you. oh, my word, this is some beautiful, beautiful, like, you know, items, clothing that you, that you, that you actually produce. And, of course, it's weddings, but it's more than that, isn't yeah. it? Um, so, do you want to talk about how you started the business and where you got the idea and your inspiration from as well for initially starting? So, I, I have a creative background anyway. I've always loved drawing, painting, sculpting. It's what I've just always just really enjoyed and had a passion for. And that, that kind of like morphed into fashion and kind of creating wearable art. So, Amaya started off basically as an expensive hobby. It was just an outlet for me to be able to like use some of my creativity, make things that I enjoyed, like making, create beautiful images and make people feel beautiful, really. Mm. Um, so then that morphed into making it into a business and trying to figure out how do I make this viable, but still be something that I I'm passionate about and that includes like my aesthetic and my vision. Mm, fantastic. So were you sort of dabbling, shall we say, as a designer for quite a few years before you decided yeah. to set it up as a, as a proper business, shall we say? Yeah. So when I was in university, I think that's when I started Amaya. Um, and it was mostly like almost like a little bit of an outlet just from uni. So doing uni work and then having like side projects because I, I always like to keep busy. So I always wanted, I had something on the go kind of thing most of the time. Um, so it really helped to kind of have something else to do that not, didn't focus on uni work, um, even though that was fashion as well. Mm. Um, so after that, then I just kind of dabbled into it. I liked all parts of the kind of creative process, whether that be like, I made my website quite early, um, actually, and I started, you know, Instagram and stuff and social media quite early just to mostly show off what I was doing and what I was making. Um, and and then people kind of kept contacting me saying, like, well, do, you, do you do commissions? How do I get something? And at first I was like, oh, I'm not really sure. Um, I don't know how it works. Like, you know, that's a lot more pressure when you're making it for other people rather than just making things that you want to make for yourself in a way, even though I never really made much for me to wear myself. Mm. But um, it was a really good way to kind of like get an audience like quite organically that just loved following my work. And then eventually I opened my books then to be able to take on commissions and make things for other people. Okay, amazing. So what year did you start the business then, Alicia? So I started in uh, 2021 um uh, is when i started because i think that was it was like you know just after i think i tried just before pandemic right that was kind of like when i was like oh should i give it a go now and then the world shut down so i was like okay maybe not maybe it's time to kind of reset and i did a bit of a lockdown collection to kind of like get the creative juices flowing again and i thought well if i'm gonna try and give it a go i might as well so i was like finally in 2000 in, in 2021 i was like i'm gonna do this I'm going to see, you know, what the options are. And as it's gone on as well, it's developed even just from there. 
um, in the sense that I started off just doing mostly bespoke kind of wear um, and that was my main focus to make wearable art for people for special occasions um, and adapted to however they would like it to be which is the main focus of my work but it's really kind of transformed into different ways um, like through the Prince's Trust I was able to um, then develop uh, embellishment kits so it's kind of a side portion of the business so that I can then teach people how to do what I do um, and give people that don't necessarily have the time or the, the kind of um, uh, resources to be able to do creative work themselves um, and not just kind of like have it from me. They can make it themselves and spend time doing it. Because for me, making is such a meditative process. So I thought, well, how can I introduce that and allow other people to do that really mm. as well so talk about what you offer then because there's quite a few different sort of areas Branches. that the business has kind <laughs> yeah. of evolved into and, yeah. and you've got some beautiful beautiful bridal uh, couture on on the website you. but you, there's a lot more as we said than that so yeah. do you want to just scope out what what you've got now in your shop window so to speak <laughs> so i mostly just do bespoke so that can um feature all sorts of different things um, mostly my specialism is corsetry, so um, I do a lot of bridal, corsetry, um, boudoir as well as a, in terms of bespoke wear. Um, and then I also am developing embroidery embellishment kits that can teach other people how to do certain techniques and um, uh, textile finishes that I do. And I'm hoping to expand that as well. Um, but I also do a lot of different things so recently i was on um channel four on the unique boutique as one of the seamstresses that helped um kind of in the background adapting clothes um for people on that show so um i have a background in kind of like youth theater and tv so i like being able to kind of mix up what i do um and do different things because i think it keeps it kind of fresh and interesting for me you just never know what you're going to get really mm, yeah and, and what and what a great show to be on you know in terms of raising your profile exactly. adding credibility to what you do as well isn't it so um what a fabulous opportunity <laughs> that's been that wonderful so so let's talk about kind of early life if we can because yep. obviously you know we're, we're talking about the business but you haven't just landed on this planet you know uh, <laughs> as you are today um what was what was family life like for you growing up and and stuff you know just to try and uh, i suppose show the roadmap of uh, that you've been on the journey you've been on from when you were younger to becoming you know a, a business owner that you are today well i've always loved being creative that was like my thing i feel like kids kind of have like a niche that they do and because of my disability i wasn't really one to run around outside and things like that so my whole thing was to just you could give me some coloring pencils and just leave me and I'd just be kind of zoned out, just kind of doing my own little thing, um, creating any kind of mixed media you'd give me. I would just be just doing something. I loved busy work. I loved using my hands and kind of making and that kind of stuck with me as I grew up. Um, it, school was very important. I was always like um, kind of uh, good. I liked doing homework and things like that. I liked being, I liked learning. I found it very interesting to kind of learn about history and like maths and things like that and it kind of 
even if it wasn't necessarily creative, it really did feed into what I love to do now anyway, because the history worked into their costume, mm. the fact that fashion always recycles itself. So seeing different time periods was great. Maths was really useful because for pattern making, you really need to learn shapes and dimensions because it's basically just architecture for the body, trying to figure out how mm. to make a 2D flat shape fit on a 3D moving body kind of thing. So it all kind of really just was very linear, I guess, for me. It was always a bit of a fight, mostly just because of other people's expectations, I guess, because fashion wasn't always seen in a positive light. It was very, it is very competitive industry. It can be very full on, mm. time consuming, um, travel intensive, depending on the roles. Um, and I knew for me that it just didn't, even though it, the industry didn't feel like it was made for me, I wanted to try and make my own space in that world because I knew it was something that I wanted to do. And I also knew that it was something that I wasn't necessarily going to find easily. So then I had to figure out other ways to kind of um, still fulfill a similar kind of pathway for myself. Mm, brilliant. So you, you mentioned about your disability, yes. um, which common terminology, brittle bones. Yeah. And I can't, I'm going to let you explain <laughs> the, the, the medical term. Yeah. But do you want to just describe that a little bit and how that kind of plays out in terms of everyday life? Because I think the thing that's super inspiring is, you know, first and foremost, we're here talking to you as a business owner and an entrepreneur and a mm -hmm. designer, you know, and, and the disability. Yes, of course, it's a massive part of, of, of your life and who you are but it doesn't define you in terms of professionally. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure you've had you know, challenges to overcome. So do you want to just kind of talk a little bit around the disability and, and how you know, it's either held you back or has helped propel you forward maybe? Because um, I think it's important that people can be inspired that anyone, you know, no matter what your situation, can be successful in their chosen field, right? Exactly. So, yeah, so I have osteogenesis imperfecta, or OI, or brittle bones, which basically means that my bones are weaker. The collagen that makes them up can be weaker. So depending on the severity of it, some people can have it quite severe, um, and then some moderate, so it really does depend. Um, it can kind of uh, have a lot of, like, bone breakages, kind of um, like muscle tiredness mm. kind of thing. Um, it can change the way your bones develop. So I'm quite short in stature. Um, and I also use crutches when walking and a wheelchair if you know it's longer distance because I'll get tired. So those are the things that I kind of um, um, deal with um, on a daily basis. For me, it's always been about working around it. I feel like everyone kind of has things they have to work around. And for me, it literally just was another thing that I had to work around. Like it, it's such a big part of my life, as you said, but that doesn't have to be kind of like good or bad. It just kind of is, mm. it's just a part of it. And it's something that I've had to work around. It's why um, I couldn't necessarily work like a kind of conventional theater job or things like that. Cause I can't do a lot of running around. I need a lot of breaks kind of thing or you know a lot of it can be quite taxing on the body when my body can't cope with that so it was all about finding a balance that works for me and that's something that's always going to be in progress mm. as well like I don't think you'll ever find a perfect way to do that because your body changes as you grow anyway even mm. if you don't have a, a disability or a chronic illness 
um, but things like just like uh, adapting my sewing space so that it works for me having things that are within reach or that I can move easily or having a mechanical desk that goes up and down or even just laying out my room so it's easy for me to walk and like move through mm. um, so that it's um, more ideal for my working situation. I think these are things that can help then to make it easier. And there's just such a wealth of knowledge online nowadays. Like when I was younger, I feel like I didn't utilize enough of what other people were sharing. And it was only the last few years that I kind of have been more in the disability community and the chronic illness community. And everyone's just so helpful with advice and help um, because a lot of people kind of understand what you're going through and sometimes you don't even think something might be an obstacle or an issue but then something makes it just easier for you mm. and you're just like why did I not do that before so I think utilizing that has been so helpful for me in my journey and why I want to talk more about um, advocacy and talking about my journey because at first I was just like I don't really know what I have to say it felt like it was such a simple uh, kind of in quotes um, story for me just because it's my life so mm. like I don't know any different in that sense for me it was always about kind of pushing uh, pushing ahead or kind of uh, a lot of people kind of had lower expectations for example especially back when I was in school when mm. there wasn't as much visibility for people like me just living their life so I always remember pushing back. I think I was like, I always kind of joked that I kind of thrived off of spite. If you said I couldn't do something, that I was more likely to kind of push and do it or want to do it. And I think that's how I kept going because a number of people were like, oh, that's going to be too much for you. And I was like, maybe it is, but I don't know until I've tried it out and I've mm. really like given it a go and then I can decide what kind of contingencies I need, what kind of boundaries do I need and go from there rather than just not trying at yeah. all. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a great philosophy to have. And, you know, I mean, I think a lot of people, whether they're able-bodied or have, have you know, a disability or maybe come from a, a background that hasn't been the best start for them in life, exactly. everyone's situation is different. But I think there are so many people that would almost put the blockers in place before they even try something. Yeah. Whereas what you've just described there is, well, no, let, let's test it. Yeah. Let's see, I'll say yes. Yeah. And then if I need to adapt, Okay, exactly. fine, but let me at least try yeah. first. And yeah. that's so refreshing. And it's not hear. even just a, a linear process because like that's not always like that's very like a, a positive mindset and that's a mm. mindset that I try and have most of the time. But there are dips and valleys. Like between university and starting my business, I very much had a massive dip where I was just like, Can I do this? What am I able to do? Mm. Especially going from a system, you know, such a structured system of school and then university where I had a support system people that could help and then kind of being let into the real world and just being like okay what do I do now where do I access help who do I go to mm. and it's one of the reasons why I went to Prince's Trust actually because um I think so I've done this process three times actually um so the the uh, the third time the charm but the first time I was fresh out of uni and I was like right I'm gonna do this and I just wasn't ready mm, okay um and then the second time was just before pandemic so unfortunately the world was like okay you're not ready <laughs> and then afterwards I was like you know what I need to see if this works and I'm so glad that the Prince's Trust was there to kind of take me back and be like we're here to always help because I feel like it was such a good resource 
for me to use in terms of the business. I think always like seeing who you can ask for help is always the the best thing. It's the biggest thing for me to kind of um, say to people when trying to build up information and trying to build up a brand. And most of the time, I think just asking other people mm. that do something that you do, because a lot of them have like been through the process and are more than willing to help or at least point you in a direction that you can get help because they know the struggles that they had to go through to kind of get to that point. And for me, I would always want to try and make it easier for the next person um, instead of trying to kind of like hide the secrets and stuff like that. I've never been one of those people. So I think just like messaging, like if the, if you did have a business and that you wanted to kind of create like messaging people just saying like, hi, I love what you do. I want to try and do something similar maybe, or I uh, wanted to ask for advice. Are you free for a coffee or, you know, a, a, a Zoom like, you know, a meeting or something like that just to talk it out. Um, I think a lot of people can be quite willing to kind of do like a small thing like that to kind of help you. Mm. Yeah, amazing. So, so the Prince's Trust, and like you say, offers support in lots of different ways. Yeah. Um, what, what were the main things that, that have made the biggest difference for you, do you think, with, with the Prince's Trust particularly? I think the, the biggest thing for me was just the safety net. It mm. was nice that I could come back at least for that. And I've done a few different courses with them now because, again, I was still trying to figure out what I was doing. Even for a while before I, the, the final time, I, went, I did a, a course called uh, Women Into Work. Um, because I thought, do I want to maybe have an office job and have that as a part-time job and then do Amaya as a kind of side business so that way I have some a bit more stability. Um, it also means that I have a little bit more social interaction because otherwise you're kind of working on your own if you're a, a small business, kind of a one-person business. Um, so I was like, is that an option maybe? So I liked that I could explore options with the trust. And a lot of the time there was options that I didn't even know were possible. Mm. Um, for example, I am now a young ambassador with the Prince's Trust. And I didn't know that that was a thing where I can talk about my experience and help people like this. Um, so that like I would that, like I would have loved to have had that, seen mm. someone like me or had similar kind of like history or even not, not even at all, but I feel like it can be applicable to different people with different backgrounds to just kind of go for it. And sh if, if that can help someone else, go for it then I then then I'm happy mm, yeah brilliant so there's loads of resources so anyone that's listening if you're thinking about starting a business needing some help support guidance you know definitely Princess Trust loads of resources there mm -hmm. and we're going to include all that in the show notes um, and for you how how I'm always interested when you have really creative people yeah. <laughs> um, which you are and you know and then you've got business yeah right and the two can often be almost polar opposites. Yeah. Um, how have you found the journey as becoming a business owner yeah. um, compared to the creative stuff, which is sort of your passion, your heartland, you know, what you, where you're comfortable, if you like, in yeah. that space, whereas the business side, there's a lot of new stuff that you've had to, to kind of adapt to. So yeah. how have you managed to, to kind of navigate the business side of things? I know with the support of the Prince's Trust, but you know, how have you had to, how have you found it as a business owner? It's always difficult because as you said, I am a creative at heart. I'm just an artist. I just want to be left to make things like, you know, just in my studio, zoning out, making the things that like I, I can think of and imagine in my brain. 
um, but then I need to be able to realistically fund that. So learning to make it in a, a business, I think was probably the biggest hurdle I had to go through mm. because like when I was doing it as an expensive hobby, I didn't have to do all of that, all the extra details, all of the tax, all of the marketing. <laughs> I'm not good at doing all that stuff. I just loved making things and just kind of like just gently putting it out there for people to look at. Um, so being more actively involved in kind of those aspects was hard. And I think also like owning your own business and, and doing that is difficult. You have to be quite dedicated. You have to be quite, um, not strict, but you know, you have to be quite regimented in a sense because certain things need to be done to, mm. to get through it. You can't just kind of leave things to last minute. So I had to really reframe how I work and also just adapt it so that it wasn't me just kind of flipping it onto something that I really didn't do. I mean, the, the benefits of doing um, having your own business is that you can be flexible and you can do things around your schedule. I can work around my disability and my needs. I can, you know, email my clients and be like, unfortunately, you know, something's happened or I need a bit of a break or I need to step back. But I think it's just making sure that those lines of communication are open are very important and that if I struggle with something, it is just asking for help and that's even just other peers or even if you're able to hiring other people where it mm. is their passion and it is their kind of main focus so that you can then focus on what you want to do. Um, so that's kind of why I developed a lot of the other branches to then support the main branch, which is the making for me. And it was figuring out how best do I balance all of that? How do I balance my time? How do I balance my um, uh, kind of like workflow to fit that? And that's always going to be an ever kind of evolving process. Um, but it's definitely difficult because I would just I would just prefer to have like, you know, like music on in the background. I'm in my <laughs> studio just zoning out and making. Um, but then I keep thinking, well, then less people are able to see it as well. Like less people are able to share in my love for, for what I make. And that's kind of what pushes me to kind of make this a business and make kind of the effort to keep spreading the word about what I do um, so that other people then I might be able to find like-minded people that kind mm. of like think the same and then it just makes it worth it for me. Yeah, fantastic. And you know, when you're making someone's bridal gown, I mean, you know, biggest big one of the biggest days of your, of of a, of a you know, of a person's life, um does that pressure, do you feel that pressure and that responsibility when you're making someone's gown yes. and designing? And I think gown? definitely going from making things for yourself and just not even bridal, but just in general making things yeah. for other people was an, another, like I had to really learn and work through the anxiety. And I'm very much a perfectionist at heart. So trying not to kind of dwell or focus too much on that thinking, you know, um, my clients aren't looking this closely. Like I do want to make sure that the quality is really good and that everything looks how they want, but I don't need to be like right in into the details because I think then you lose vision of the rest of the thing as a whole in a mm. way. Um, so it's, there's definitely a pressure, especially on the wed um, bridal and wedding kind of way, because um, it, it is, people dream about this kind of thing. So having that responsibility is always a bit daunting, but another, it's another reason why I like to have such clear communication. So I have very um, kind of uh, detailed questions that I ask when I do either in-person or video consultations to make sure I have all the information that I need to then safely go off. And also then I 
pepper questions back and forth. When I make something um, in, with, with bespoke in mind, it really is bespoke. I want your input. And if you don't have um, kind of as much of a, not, not um, like thought, but if you're just more like, I'd, I'd rather just let you kind of run with it, then that's fine as well. If I ask that and then I, and then I know what you're expecting, mm -hmm then I can then run off and do my own thing and kind of let my own um, kind of aesthetic and creativity flow. Um, but yeah, it's just all about the communication to make sure you're both on the same page, really. And also that's working to strict deadlines as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And budgets as well. Budgets, you know? yeah. Managing expectations as well is very important because some people can like have high expectations or even low expectations, but it's about kind of maintaining that and kind of, again, communication to be like, what, what do you want? What's important for you? When going through the design process, actually, the, one of the first things I do is I tend to do um, three designs, one that's under budget, one that's kind of on budget and one that's over budget. So that way you can visually see where your money is going like if you want less and then you can see that what that's going to be like and if that's something that you love then that's that works perfect if you want more then you can see where the step is mm -hmm. to figure out okay well if i pay more this is what i'm getting so you can see exactly what is happening um as the process goes goes mm. ahead that's great i love that actually yeah because sometimes you know maybe people's situation has changed and maybe they can afford something slightly you know of a, yeah. of a higher price point than they originally thought or or maybe yeah. you know they they i don't know something happens and they need to downgrade the budget a little bit but i think yeah. that's amazing that you do that because yeah. i've not heard that from from a few of designers. my clients actually have done that especially a number of my recent clients end up increasing mm. the amount so we have a quote and then we stick to that um and the thing that i like to do as well is i tend to like to make the base garments first and then add the embellishments on after for one, for me, I love seeing the stitches on the inside. Some people like to kind of like cover them up and that's totally fine depending on um, comfort levels and what the, the maker wants to do. For me, I like it because you see my hands at work. You can see the turn of like the, the, the trail I've gone down and you can see the work that I've done on the inside. And it also means then that I can show you pictures as I go along and be like, do you want more? How's this looking? I can pin something. And then you're like, actually, I don't want it as bright. I don't want any as many pearls. I want like, you know, more glimmer. And then we can we have the opportunity to do that as we go along. And you can either increase the budget to fit that and I can tell you the options. It's why I love bespoke, because it literally is bespoke. It's very much back and forth. What do you want? It's very much a conversation rather than me just kind of making something or you just buying it and then kind of like that's it in a way. It is a collaborative effort. It's why I kind of say when people ask me, are you a project based business or a service? And I'm kind of both because I offer a product. That's the final thing you get. But it's about the experience for me as well. It's mm. about the journey. I love adding sentimental things, things that mean something to my clients or the fact that they feel like they're part of it. They've chosen this, you mm. know, they picked that or it means something. I think that's really important in what I do just in all the different branches is um, is the experience. Yeah, yeah. amazing. Oh, well, I bet that everyone's listening going, oh, my <laughs> word, how do I get in touch? I've got to order some amazing, amazing um, you know, piece of uh, unique couture. And it is unique, isn't it? Every piece is unique. <laughs> yeah. So how, how wonderful. So who inspires you then creatively? It really depends. I'm very inspired by textiles itself so it could just be a piece of fabric that inspires me a color a texture 
Um, that's kind of the root, I think, of what I do. And I also just like to organically create. So sometimes I'll have pieces just on my desk and I'll just zone out and just start pinning things in place. Um, it's why whenever I give designs to my clients, this is basically a rough draft. It can look totally different from the 2D to the 3D image. Mm. And also I like to let my, um, my piece kind of move naturally. I don't try and like kind of um, struggle with it in a way. If something's not working, then I can flow into something else rather than it kind of being regimented. It has to be this way. Um, but in terms of other artists, um, I remember growing up, it was, I think, I think it's pronounced Mar Marchesa or Marchesa. They were very much a big influence for me just in terms of embellishment and the kind of like really highly detailed work. Um, and then Alexander McQueen is just, that's just the pinnacle. It's it's beautiful. I loved seeing the exhibition in the V and A. Oh, I went as well. Yeah, it was stunning, it was wasn't it? Beautiful yes. to see how how um, his mind worked mm. um, in that sense. Um, but a big inspiration for me at the start of my making journey was Jenny from Sparkle Wren, who's well known in the corsetry industry um, and created beautiful. Um, works of art basically on corsetry and I was very fortunate that I was able to intern for her whilst in university so I always think that I had a bit of a crash course into the industry um, and at the time I didn't know how like um, impactful she was to um, other corset makers until afterwards um, which was a, a bizarre thing I guess it's probably good then at least I wasn't starstruck um, but I really valued the time that I got to kind of like you know see her working um, because it really did inform the way that I work and I'm on our aesthetics were quite aligned as well so it was a really lovely way to see like how her process worked and her fabric choices and then be able to translate that into my own work which I think is quite um, evident when you kind of see that it, you know it's kind of it has a has little touches of her in, in it as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and you you know you make a really in, in important point around the people you surround yourself with. You know whether it's yeah. someone from afar that inspires you, or whether it's having direct you know contact and hands on experience like you had there. Yeah. Um, how important has it been for you to have the right people in your life on this journey? Because it's not easy. It's hard no. being a business owner, and yeah. especially as a you know, if you're starting out as a solopreneur, it can be quite lonely. Yeah. You know. So how important has it been? having the right people sort of in your camp so to speak it really is and that can change as well um growing up my family has been very supportive with what i do i don't think they understood completely because they were just like why aren't you a lawyer <laughs> um but uh but they were always very much just like okay well if this is what you're going to do then we'll help in any way that we can and i think having good friends and having like that kind of like really supportive network is really helpful. I think another thing that I've improved on again is my um, kind of network of the people that I know that have disabilities or chronic illnesses mm -hmm. because I feel like I was missing that a lot in my life. Um, and also just other entrepreneurs as well because they know your struggles. Like if, if not many other people kind of get the things that you're worried about or the things that you're kind of stuck on. And I think is having other people around whether that you meet them at like networking events or like anything like that or at fairs, um, having that is always great because I think it's always nice to relate to someone else mm -hmm. um, and that you can have that kind of 
um, bond, especially when you work on your own or having other things. So for me, I like to do things like this where I'll network and meet with people and kind of um, see people or I'm going to try and do fairs in the future so that I can actually see the people that um, that like my work in person because a lot of my work before this has just been online through social media and it's mm. been great but it's not as impactful sometimes when you see someone and how they react to your work and how much that can feed your kind of passion and and, and what you do and I think that's a big part of me I think that's why back before it was um, before my business, I did a lot of like collaborative photo shoots and things like that. And those are my favorites because again, you got to work with other creatives that were just as passionate as you to make a beautiful image or video. Um, and I think that's, it's just really important to, because it just fills fills your cup up, you know, especially when it's, it's a bit of a struggle to kind of keep it that way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. And have you had to sort of, part company with with any people on your journey that maybe haven't kind of been supportive or maybe don't get what you're trying to achieve or has not has that not been um something you've you've had to face yet i think there's always things like that just growing up i feel like people kind of come and go sometimes i i never really like to say i regret things because i feel like everyone that i've met has taught me something mm. um even if i don't like that <laughs> um or like what they've taught me at least i've learned from it in a way so like sometimes if something didn't work out then i'd just be like actually okay I'm either not going to put myself in that position again or I know what to look out for in the future when meeting new people um so I think it's it's one of those things where I've just and I'm, I'm not really one for confrontation either so I kind of just tend to drift away if that's not something that I feel like aligns with what I do mm. because for me if you're not like passionate about what I do that's fine you know as long as you're supportive of my choices then like or at least you know if I'm not doing anything outrageously around them but I think it's really important to surround yourself with people that will lift you up at yeah. a moment's notice and in certain industries like the the fashion industry is known for being like catty um in quotes and things like that um but the the, the makers that I have met especially like theater and other corseteers small businesses they've been amazing they're the best like advocates like if I get a inquiry about something um, and I'm like actually I don't think this is a good fit for me then I can pass that along to someone else that I know that it might be a better fit for and vice versa mm. so I think kind of having that kind of support kind of like net of like-minded people really helps just to kind of make the process easier and it just makes it more positive for you as well because you're never going to be like totally happy about how it, everything's going when you struggle then they can help lift you up and then you can do the same for when they're in that position i think having that in your life is really important to like keep that balance um uh, as like steady <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah you're, you're so right you're absolutely right <laughs> and uh, you know and you talked earlier around i suppose having we were having having your tribe you know your yes. right people around yeah. you whether that's whether that's Ooh, clients great. whether it's team extended team network or people in in you know the disability who might have a disability themselves how how important is diversity equity and inclusion to you so important because i feel like it really brings a wealth of information. I feel like mm. everyone has a, a valued point of view and excluding a portion of that just 
means that there's a hole in that picture, basically. For me, as a person with so many different kind of diversities, if that's what you call it, yes. <laughs> it's always been very important to me because I am one of those people. I want to see more people that look like me mm. in the world. And I feel like I feel more fulfilled when I do see that. If I can help someone else do that, then that's great. But for me, it's very much... It's why I don't try to focus too much on just one group of people. I like to spread that. Like I have friends that have nothing to do with fashion or business because then they can give me a totally fresh, different look at the world. You know, or people that have just different backgrounds or different kind of life experiences to me. I feel like are oh, valued because I just you don't think that way. You know, and it's it's like. For example, like I think a certain way and it's not until I talk to a friend, like for, for example, I think we were going somewhere and I said like an offhanded comment, like what's the floor like? Because I need to roll on it. And they, like, they just didn't think, that they, why would anyone else, yes. you know, if you don't need to deal with that situation? So for me, I like having as many different um, opinions from different um, backgrounds, you know, as much as possible, because then it just opens up the picture for mm. me. Mm. It was interesting because I actually interviewed um, a lady called uh, Rosalie Maratri Simmons, who's an OBE, and she she was, uh, was born as a thalidomide. Mm-hmm. Um, so she is a wheelchair user. She's an incredible artist, you know, a, a mouth artist mm-hmm. and public speaker, very, very smart business lady. And um, we were talking around, from her perspective, what she would like to see change, you know, yes. when it comes to, in particular for wheelchair users yes. and et cetera, and that it doesn't all have to cost money. It's just, yeah. it's a good thing to do commercially for, you know, all sorts of it's perspectives. Just, like, just to be considered, I think, is a big part, you know, mm. when I don't even have to mention any of the ex- access needs, I'm surprised. And I'd love mm. for that feeling almost to go away. Because like a lot of the times I'm like, oh, you, I didn't even have to say anything, which is great. Whereas I'm so used to having to double check things, just check, like, can I use, can I enter? Can I do this? Is there an accessible bathroom? It's something that I try and incorporate as much as possible, even in my own business. The, the whole point is bespoke so that I try and make everything as accessible mm. and adjustable as I can. And then that's why I like talking to my clients or the people that work with me, because there might be things I don't think about. Like I I add in like more questions each client (laughs) I kind of work with because like not having these barriers, I think, is really important. And then sometimes people don't even realize that it's a barrier. Like, for example, I ask people about texture. Some people have like an aversion to certain textures and they've never really thought about it before. It's like, actually, I do prefer this. And it could be a sensory thing or it could just be a preference it really depends but when you blanket kind of and say like you know what are your needs or trying to incorporate as many needs as you can I feel like it just makes people feel more included which is what I always want to do I never want people to feel excluded with what I do because there's always a way you know either you kind of make it look a certain way to kind of like cheat it kind of to make it look still the the way you want but kind of just do something a bit different or you just adapt it to kind of fit 
what you need it to be. And I think that's really important with what I do. Mm, yeah, and those values, you know, like you say, is because of your your personal disability that you have and yeah. your approach to life and just making that really bespoke, not, not excluding anyone. No. That as a philosophy yeah. in itself is, you know, comes a lot, I think, probably from your own values and what's important to you. And then that, that really speaks, doesn't it, to your clients as well, I think. Um, so, so what's next for you on your journey? because obviously you've achieved a huge amount. You're still quite a new business, a couple yeah. of years in. Um, obviously loving what you're doing. <laughs> you know, your energy and passion is uh, infectious. It, it really is. Um, but what's, what's next on the horizon for you? Is it more of the same or different stuff? Mostly different stuff. I think it's, it's a lot of change at the moment because it's still trying, because I'm still so young in my business, I'm still trying to figure out kind of what actually works, what mm. do I want to do? And I think because there's so many options, I kind of want to try and explore as many at the start whilst I can before I start kind of cementing some things. So for me, it'd be doing the, the kits. Um, that's a big thing for me because I'd love to be able to share my creativity with other people um, and also teach, like, you know, I could do workshops with that. Um, I'd love to, like, in the future, eventually kind of have my own separate studio where then I could hire other artisans mm. to work with me to create things. Um, being able to kind of really, like, invest in the craft um, would be a dream of mine. Um, but also just more kind of public speaking things, podcasts, filming. I really enjoyed, you know, just TV work. That's the kind of stuff that I really that really surprised me in a way being someone that kind of is more like look at the things that I've made rather than me it was um a, like a big kind of like um realization that I love doing this part as well like talking to my clients or talking to other people other makers so that's something I hope to do more of really well how wonderful is that you know that sometimes it's not always a straight path sometimes exactly. it's just you meet someone or there's an idea and you it can know really what's evolve. Gonna really come up, yeah. Like, uh, or what's going to happen. I try and always kind of leave room for that mm. because even though like, I always kind of say, I kind of, I always worried that I was almost blinkered when I was like, kind of like, you know, uh, progressing to where I am now because it's always been a little bit linear. Like I always knew I was going to do creative and then I kind of specialized and then I went to uni for it and you know, and so on and so on. So it's kind of like, now it's like, it all kind of like went on the same vein though. I want to help people. I love pe making people feel like good about themselves and how they look. I love making like aesthetic kind of creations. So it's just like, okay, if those are my value systems and, and being able to kind of do that with inclusion and sustainability in mind, then there's like a breadth of things that I can really do. And mm. I can't wait to explore what, what comes up, really. Well, I can't <laughs> wait to see what's going to happen next. And so before I get to sort of some of the final questions, where can people find you? So they can find me on all social media at Amaya Couture, E-M-I-A-H, and at my website, amaya.co.uk. And are you on LinkedIn and sort of Facebook and Instagram yeah. under your own name as well? Or is um, it just the company name? That's mostly the company name? because I'm not normal. I'm a bit of a lurker in terms of <laughs> social media. But again, like look at my stuff, not really me. But I am developing like a personal brand in a way. That's Alicia.Amaya. Um, that I'm hoping to kind of uh, add more on about the things that I do, like the teaching things mm. or, 
TV things, podcasts, um, that kind of thing to develop that. Like, so it's like a branch, but still a bit separate mm. for whoever's interested. Fantastic. So I, I'm sure you're going to get inundated. We've got some amazing clients already, which is which is really beautiful. And um, yeah, you. you've got to check out Amaya's the website, right? It's really, really stunning. Um, so, you know, when you think about all the advice you might have had over the years, and I'm sure you've had some good advice, maybe some less good advice. <laughs> and can you think of a really, a really good, solid piece of advice that's really helped you? For me, it was just like, even if you're scared, do it anyway. I think that was a big thing. And it's hard to stick to because it's easy kind of to want to stay in your comfort zone mm. and kind of, you know, like just kind of stay with what you're comfortable doing. But I've really tried to kind of be more brave and be like, OK, if it scares me, why does it scare me? And kind of do it anyway. Really. Yeah, yeah that's great advice, actually. I often say to myself, well, how bad can it be? Exactly. I'm like, OK, because I always think worst case scenario. <laughs> but then I'm trying to be like, OK, that is the worst case scenario and I will survive. So, like, you know, might as well keep doing it anyway. Yeah, everything else is upside from there, Finish right? is better than perfect, really. Totally right, to- which is quite a big thing for you, actually, it is, to say I'm, that. Because I'm a perfectionist. It's yeah. one of those weird things as well, because I'm a perfectionist, but for me, I love seeing people's hands in things, which means it's not perfect. Mm. I love seeing the slight, you know, ir- irregular things that pop up in people's work. Um, kind of thing it just adds more of the person Mm. into it for me so it's that battle between like perfectionism and like like a human touch that I always seem to battle with a little bit yeah yeah no I love that that's fantastic and obviously it's an exciting year for you a lot going on this year but if you could describe this year in one word uh, (laughs) what would it be and why I think change it's a lot of just things changing and developing kind of thing and just kind of going with it, not feeling like I have to reach the end of the year at a certain point. It's like, what will happen? Let's just keep rolling it over and seeing what happens and like just kind of, you know, taking what comes in, not necessarily having to say yes to everything, but kind of thinking, what where could that lead? Let's just look at this venture, really. Mm. Yeah, I'm so excited to see what's going to happen with you. For <laughs> you know, with you, Alicia, is so many different you. avenues you could go down. <laughs> so yeah, it's really cool. And the podcast called Brave, Bold, Brilliant. You've already yeah. touched on one of those words, brave. But when you hear <laughs> that, what does it mean to you? It just means just trying. Like you're just going to test it out, try it anyway, deal with the the consequences or. The joys, you know, it's all about kind of just doing it anyway and and having fun whilst doing it. <laughs> Have fun. Amen to that. Yeah, fantastic. Honestly, Alicia, it's been an absolute pleasure. I'm so excited for you personally thank and you. the business as well. And thank you for coming on Brave Bob thank Brilliant. Thank you for having me. <laughs> My pleasure. <laughs> I really hope you've enjoyed Brave, Bold, Brilliant. Don't forget to subscribe and share with all your friends. And if you've enjoyed listening, I'd love it if you'd leave me a five-star review.